Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Osher Ginsberg Podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. Thanks for being here. This is episode 115 of this show with the delightful Cassie Howarth. Find her on Instagram at Cassie, C-A-S-S-I-E underscore Howarth, H-O-W-A-R-T-H underscore. Uh, that's it. Cassie Howarth. She doesn't do Twitter. In fact, if you go and find her on Twitter, it says, I don't do Twitter. Yeah. So there's 114 other episodes if you're just here. Check them out. They're all there. You can get them magically in your phone each and every week by just subscribing in the podcast app of your choice or um, find us in iTunes. Um, that's 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 where you'll get there. You can email me. Thanks to everybody that emailed this week. Send Osher email at gmail.com. You can also find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You know where to find me. That's where I am. I hope you had an okay week. Uh, a lot of people are wrapping up for the year, uh, work, school, uni, Everybody's kind of getting, trying to get over that line of, uh, you know, the last, the last little bit of the year, the last little bit of the year. Let me just move my mic. How do we get there? How do we get there without going crazy? Speaking of which, (laughs) I'm having an okay week. You have good weeks, you have okay weeks, then you have bad weeks. This is an okay week. Um, in the last few months, I managed to come down off one of my meds entirely, which was nice. Um, but as a result of rejigging the mix, I had to go back up a few milligrams on one of the other ones and going back up a few milligrams, not a lot, just a tiny bit, um, brought the side effects back. And for anyone who's, who's living with uh, a brain that's a bit different, for anyone that's living with a brain that... You know, it takes information from the outside world and processes it in a different way um, and requires medication to help them kind of be a little more balanced about how that works, um, like me. Uh, you'll know that 
it's a constant conversation that you have with the people that are looking after you. It's like, well, we can make all this go away, but you'll pretty much be 50 kilos heavier and not want to leave the house because you just couldn't be asked. Or uh, <laughs> that was, I actually had that conversation once. Um, no, it's 50 pounds heavier, which is 30 kilos. Um, or it's, it's just that balance between the ever-present trade-off between side effects and sanity, for want of a better word. Um, so, yeah, then you try and figure out how you can compensate for the side effects and then you try and then, then you try and go and then you think maybe I'll just come back down a few milligrams then you grit your teeth for a few months and then you find yourself or something else. Yeah. But look, you know, all of it, all of it is way better an option, way better an option to the alternative. Let me promise you that. Uh, but I'm doing okay. I'm very communicative with all the doctors and people I need to be communicative with. I'm talking to my girlfriend about it. She knows what's up. Um, doing all the things I need to do, exercising as often as I can, eating well, trying to get as much sleep as I can, which is a bit tough at the moment um, because I am in Australia um, doing some breakfast radio at the moment, uh, which has been great. Um, filling in in every city except Sydney. So I'm in with a great team. I say I, but it's me and two other people, um, myself and Travis this week and Heather. Beautiful Heather Maltman. We are in Brisbane, Adelaide, Melbourne, Canberra, Perth is where we are. And it's, it's just super great. It's just so satisfying. I mean, you know, the alarm does go off at quarter to four, but that's okay. Um, it's just really satisfying work and it's very high turnover and you get to have, you know, actual authentic conversations on the radio, which I'm really, uh, really grateful about. You know, I, I, we turn the mics off after break and I think I just ranted about climate change. Uh, everyone seems to still be okay with it. They're moving on. All right. Okay. Well, I guess that worked. Oh, okay. You know, it's, yeah. Got to back yourself. Eddie McGuire once told me, got to back yourself, son. Uh, but yeah, it's a good week. It's good to be working. Um, a few other interesting things happened to me this week. I started a dive course, which is, uh, I don't know if you've ever scuba dived. It's, um, it's not nearly as expensive as cycling, but it does have a price barrier to entry. Um, but Audrey's a certified diver, and so... You know, when it comes to choosing where we want to go away for when we actually do get a week off off together, um, she's like, well, let's go diving somewhere. So I need to get my license so I can go and do that. But it's really interesting how most of scuba diving, this is pretty much all you need to know, most of scuba diving, most of it is the learning how to at least. My, my experience of it today, my first day of the course, most of scuba diving teaching is... Um, Oh, shush, Siri. Shush, Siri, Siri. Thank you, Siri, honey. Most of my scuba diving experience so far, learning it, has been, okay, so here's a really simple thing that you can forget to do or you might not do correctly. Now, if you don't do it or you don't do it correctly, it'll kill you. That's pretty much everything. <laughs> There's nothing that's just like... 
might just have a bit of a bad time. It's like, eh, your lungs will explode. Your eyes will pop out of your head. You'll run out of air. You won't be able to ascend. You'll lose your friend. <laughs> it's just really interesting. Yeah, anyway, that got confusing when Siri thought I was talking about it. Shush, honey. All right, sorry about that diversion. Let's talk about our guest today. When I say our guest, I mean yours and mine, the guests that we share together. Cassie Howarth is an actress, and she's from the central coast of New South Wales in Australia, a few, like an hour and a bit north of Sydney. She's currently a major character on the landmark Australian television show, Home and Away, and she is just a lovely human. She came to my house a couple of days ago. I was during the last week of the Home and Away shooting schedule, which we talk about. It's a rather robustly filled schedule. And Cassie was very kind, and she opened up about how her path to success pretty much broke her before she got to redemption. It's a common story on this show, if you listen to some of the other episodes, that you've got to get broken to build back stronger. And Cassie was very, very generous, very kind with sharing with us, with you, with me, what she had to say. It's a great chat. It's an inspiring chat. And if you're perhaps going through a rough patch at the moment, then maybe you can take in her tale of getting back up off the canvas and absolutely coming out swinging. So come and have a nice cup of tea in the afternoon in my living room with the delightful Cassie Howarth. How are you, Cassie? Hi. Are you good? Yeah, I'm really good. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm, I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> it's nice to, uh, nice to have you over. I apologize for the upside-downness of the place where... Uh, no, it's great. We're still, you know, the tree's just gone up. But there's a few decorations on that the price tags are still on. Yeah, just, just, <laughs> just deciding if, yeah, should they stay? Should we keep those? Should we keep them? Yeah. I do that with clothes. I keep the price tag on in my wardrobe for like a couple of days. I'm like, oh, I'll just see if I actually am going to wear this. It's a new way of shopping. I know. I'm unfamiliar <laughs> with it. Um, but Audrey's just introducing me to the idea of you can actually return things. Return- oh, really? See, yeah. I, got, I got the bug young from my mom. Oh, I'm, I think <laughs> I'm just bad. too. I'm just too loyal. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to disrespect you by taking your things back. <laughs> no, it's fine. If you don't wear it, it's fine. Where um, where in the eastern suburbs of of Sydney is this far from where you grew up? Yeah, I so I grew up in Avoca Beach, which, which is, is the, the northern. Coast. Uh, yeah. Okay, Central Coast, which so a is a couple of hours from here. So there's Sydney Harbour, and then the, that's where the Parramatta River comes out. Yeah, it is. Yes. Yeah. Then there's the one above it, which is the Hawkesbury River. Yes. And Avoca's north of that. Yeah, that's really good geographical exploration. Got it. I'm just, no, I'm just good. kind of. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's exactly it. So it's um. It's sort of, you know, like Palm Beach and that the northern beach is the tip. It's just past that. Yeah. Yeah. Just, so just, yeah. It's very, but we, um, I grew up on some acres there. So it was sort of like a, it's, so it's weird because I feel like I've grown up at the beach, but I'm, I've also had the farm. Yeah. We have cattle and stuff like that. Oh, really? Yeah. What, like commercial cattle? Or just Commer- as in, pet. do we sell them? Yeah, yeah. we do. Unfortunately. Yeah, right. But now, well, when I was growing up, it was like that. And now we've just started getting really attached. <laughs> like we have one called Cleveland, which is um, his mum died when he was giving birth, when she was giving birth to him. So we've kept him and bottle fed him. And now it's he's like a dog. Like it's so bad. But 800 kilos. Yeah. But gentle, but you've really got to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> and our actual dog that we have, 
hates him because it's like that's not a do- that's not a pet. It's not meant to be around the house. Like, my, can my you house train comes. a cow? No, not inside. But he comes in the backyard. I know it's terrible. We have a backyard with like cow shit. <laughs> it's really. <laughs> so how many? How big a land are we talking? Are we hundred acres? No, like forty eight. Forty eight acres. Mm. Well, that's. But it's a good size to grow up on. Like it was an awesome childhood. Like Like, trail bikes and horses and stuff. Yeah, horses, not trail bikes. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's and what do you? What did your folks do? So my dad's a coal miner, so engineer, and mum works at the Sydney Dance Company, so she was a dancer and yeah. How did that happen? How did? Yeah. Well, actually, you know, my mum. So her dad lived at Avoca for a while when she was growing up. So she grew up in Concord. And she used to go up there every weekend sometimes and stay with him. And when my mum was 16, and they didn't get married till my mum was like 28, my dad, he was like a surfer at the beach and he saw her and he said to his mate, who he still knows now, I'm going to marry that woman. And he hadn't even spoken to her. And mum was just thought he was just so arrogant and everything when she first met him. But obviously they built a friendship and then, yeah, ended up getting married. 12 years. Yeah, but mum was like dating. I mean, it wasn't like they were going out the whole time. They were like, he was just, yeah, I don't know. He just pursued and also they had a really good friendship and I think it just developed into more. Right. Well, that's good. Yeah. And are they still together? Yeah, they are still together. Absolutely. They're still married, but they live. They're quite independent people. So like, you know, mum works, mum lives in Sydney during the week when she works Uh um, at the dance company and then she goes back weekends. Wow. Yeah. That's such a powerful relationship to grow up around. Yeah. I mean, they're both quite opinionated and, you know, it's not all. I mean, nothing's perfect with a marriage, is it? No, like, of course not. But and people who are really, like, vocal. Well, like I guess what I'm learning, I'm learning, you know, I mean, uh, the kid has been in my life for about a year and a half, all right, um, yeah. since I've been with her mum, and I'm learning uh, just so much about what, I teach her oh, about what she is to expect from a relationship just by being here. Is that here? a lot of pressure? Because I feel like it must happen. You know, you must, you must watch what you say and how you treat each other and anything that's in front of the child. Like. Absolutely. But I, 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 that's, but I know, I think that's all that I can do. You know, I don't yeah. want to lock her up. Yeah, exactly. You know, I can't be around her 24-7 and I think the yeah. cliche of, you know, the bloke, um, polishing the shotgun on the in the living room <laughs> yeah. when the fella comes around to pick up the daughter, like that, that doesn't work. No, all, it doesn't. All, all that does is you know makes her more willing and like yeah she tries to be more sneaky to about push it. back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's really really important to me that she has. You know, I, I just want to have have respect for herself and understand that you know she's the prize and she's worthy and mm. she's. She's worth being treated very, very well and she should expect that. That's and fantastic. If, and if she doesn't get it, then thanks, buddy. Thanks for coming. You might be cute, but no thanks. Yeah. So, well, I don't know how that's going to work out. <laughs> I think it'll work out if that's, <laughs> if that's what you're ingraining in her now. Well, so I'm try- that's all I'm trying to do. Because it know? all comes Just... from respect for yourself, doesn't it, really? And yeah. confidence in yourself, I think, to yeah. how you let other people treat you. Yeah. Well, So was your mum a professional dancer the whole time? Um, actually, she was professional well she uh ice skater oh wow but she danced the whole time yeah so she used to do um yeah traveling ice shows and stuff yeah is she carrying any injuries um back yeah. sort of back stuff but you are oh, like i've got it too so i don't know whether it's um 
yeah, genetic thing or just because of – she had a lot of falls on the ice, I think. But she's pretty fit though, my mom. Like yeah. she still does dance classes. She's still super fit, like really young at heart. I uh, I, I dated a, a ballerina for a bit. And oh, the, did you? Yeah, yeah. She was in her late 20s and the injury she was carrying. Oh, I, she was yeah. pro. She was wow, a pro still ballerina. In her late, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, but she was like – Back and knee and hip. Oh, man. And it's like all of it. Like I've feet, done ballet my whole dude, life. Dude, a feet. I know. Don't talk about it. I know. When I saw Black Swan, I was like, oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> that was such a good movie because he actually showed, even though it had that whole psychotic element and and a bit unreal, you know, but it, it really showed actually the mentality of dancing at that level. Like yeah. it really showed to an extent, what you go through. Yeah, when I saw that, it's particularly the backstage stuff because I yeah, I was like, yeah, that's – and the eating thing, yep, uh-huh. And, and the, just the pressure, my God. Yeah, like, yeah. But um, I remember yeah. she would she would tell me that, that one thing I loved about it, she told me the nickname that they had for the, the <laughs> boys who would make a noise when they lifted. She goes, oh, I don't like him. He's a grunter. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> They've got so much pressure on them, those boys. Like I've got a friend who did a study dance and went on to do a lot professionally and she'd been dropped a couple of times and, oh, my gosh, that's it. The boys can, like, kiss it goodbye if they drop someone. How old, how old were you when you were put into dancing? Was it ever an option? No, not- no, it was not an option. I went kicking and screaming for, like, the first five years yeah. and then maybe longer till I was in my early teens. But, yeah, I did ballet. Only yeah. ever ballet. Mum was a real purist like that. And then as I got older, I started doing jazz and lyrical and stuff uh-huh. like that. After we do yeah. this, I'm taking the kid to dancing. Oh, really? She, yeah, she dances three times a week. And it. she love it? Loves yeah. It. So you get to a point where you do love it. Um, I think my big thing was on Saturday mornings I would do ballet for like four hours or whatever and all my friends were going down to do like nippers and everything. everybody was at the beach and I was – so that kind of got to me because I wanted to be out with my friends. When did, it, when did it stop then? Uh, I think when I went to school in Sydney, about year nine, year ten. Oh, right. Yeah. Because I'm so, wondering about that now because she's about to start high school. Uh-huh. And I'm starting to wonder a bit about when the social aspect of, you know, am I missing out versus yeah. keeping her focused on, you know, having something to, to keep focused on. And, I mean, I don't know. The, what did you find that the discipline of dancing did for you? Okay. So this is funny. I still go to ballet class now. And it's torture for me still every time, but there's something about it that I I just feel like I need that discipline in my life and I need to get whenever I feel like I'm back to the bar, I feel like. That's bar with two R's and an E. Yeah. <laughs> just pointing that out. Different feeling with the other, when I get yeah. back to the other bar. Yeah. But no, I, I feel like it's definitely put so much discipline in my life and I feel like it also gets my head back. It's perfect. To me it's a perfect sport. So when you're there. Sport. Yeah, yeah. it's a sport. They're the fittest people ever. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. I've heard they've done studies, haven't they, with yeah. male like yeah. ballerinas as opposed to like football players and yeah. stuff and I think they fare really well. Male ballerinas? Yeah. Absolutely. It makes sense. Extraordinarily fit and yeah. functionally too. Yeah. Functionally fit and astonishingly proportioned because it's all body weight stuff. It's no, I'm not exactly. doing pet deck and just getting massive and missing leg day. There is no leg day. And I feel like that's why it's really good to do when you're growing up because it forms your muscles that way uh-huh. so they're not reliant on things like weights and that to keep the shape. Right. I feel like it sticks with you. 
Is that when you got, like, did you get bit by the performing bug uh, doing the dancing? Is that where it came from? Um, I think so. Well, I sort of wanted to pursue dance more. I mean, I definitely wanted to pursue dance more when I came out of uni. So I feel like it's, yeah, I think it definitely. But acting came to me later. I wanted to act later. Yeah? What, how did that start? Um, when I, I got really injured with dance <laughs> oh, no. and I, um, had just got a scholarship across to New York to, to do some musical theatre. Hold on so, a second. <laughs> Hang on a second. How old were you? Oh, I was, I just finished university. So I was like 21, 22. All right. So we're going to yeah. have, have to back up a second here. So, <laughs> so you're dancing all through high school and then around 14, you go, okay, I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Put out. On the back. Yeah. What, what, did anything fill the gap? Uh, no, I still did classes, but more for fun. I wasn't uh-huh. doing it four times a week. Right. You know, so I'd just do it for exercise and um, not really. I never did sport at school. I was never like team, you know, oh, uh-huh. I really want to get out and play softball and all that Saturday mornings. I was never. Yeah. yeah. So, um, no, it wasn't. And then when I went back to uni, I needed to earn money on the side, you know, and I worked in a bar for a while. And I ended up getting a dance agent, getting more into dance classes and being able to do commercials and stuff like that and getting uh-huh. a bit of money through dance. So then when I finished, I thought, oh, I'd like to do some musical theatre stuff. And yeah. the next logical step was kind of to go to New York and yeah. see. I mean, that's where it is. <laughs> yeah. 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 That, and I'd that's... always wanted to go there. I mean, I just wanted to well, live there. So when, when did you, because I know you've travelled a lot, at what point in your life did you go, there's this place called New York. I might when, like to go there. Well, my mum's best friend moved there when I was at uni and we went across and stayed with her and she was living in Jersey and I remember the first time we stepped foot in Manhattan, that first day I was like, I just had a feeling like I'm going to live here. Yeah. I just knew that this was the place I had to be. Yeah, so yes. I waited till I finished uni and then I went back over. But I wanted a reason. So this getting that little scholarship gave me a sort yeah. of reason to go. Yeah. yeah. What did you do at uni? Uh, Bachelor of Liberal Studies. So What's that? It's a combined science and arts. Um, <laughs> basically, I did what were my majors were English literature, film studies, and psychology. Wow. So, but I mean, you know, they're kind of they're quite fluffy subjects. <laughs> <So> like, <laughs> I enjoyed it. I love reading. I love, but it's not like I couldn't get a job out of it. <laughs> really? <laughs> you know. But all that stuff would serve you in the acting, surely. Actually, I think it has, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. has in bits Being able to draw on all the, all the stuff that you, you've yeah, learned. Yeah, yeah. And also, you know, uni's not about just what – it's about exposing yourself to stuff that you wouldn't be exposed to, mm-hmm. especially like books and films and and just networks of people you meet, you know, the little groups you form and we used to go watch movies and stuff like that. And it's, I wouldn't have been exposed to that if right. I hadn't been there. What like movies as in like black and white film noir stuff? And yeah, discussing and we do a lot it. of like yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Lots of breath- like like long monologues of French people smoking cigarettes with holders. Absolutely, sort of it was breathless. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of thing. So I'm I'm guessing if you got a scholarship to New York City, there must have been singing along the point at somewhere as well. No, I'm what? not a singer. I have t- I actually took singing lessons this year. To start singing. So how did you get a scholarship to musical theatre? Well, it was through through the dance, through Broadway uh, Dance Centre over there. Right. Yeah. So it was just dancing. Had you seen any shows over here? Yeah. Like growing up, mum used to take me to a chorus line, Cats. Yeah, we saw a lot. Right. Yeah. And did you get, oh, I want to do that? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the, the dancing was more, I guess because I was just exposed to it more. Acting, I wasn't really exposed to. Uh-huh. 
I mean, I grew up with two brothers. Our the films we used to watch were like Rambo's. I know all the Rambo's. I know all the Rockies. <laughs> I know all Jean Claude Van Damme's, Bloodsport. You name it. That's what I watched every Bring day me after Tom school. Paul! Yeah. <laughs> That's seriously what I watched after school every day. Like. Did you films. do the splits between the chairs? Yes. My brothers and I used to do, and because I was a dancer, I could fully do it. And my brothers used to try and it was, so, yeah, we used to do all that. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, blood sport. You yeah. could do the muscles from Brussels, the splits between <laughs> the chairs. Wow. Yeah. He's a short man. <laughs> Is he? Have he's you met a, him? I have. He's a, really? he's a short man. I imagine he's a pretty interesting cat though. Like oh, he yeah. did really well. Uh, yeah, and then he just, I think he put the pedal to the metal yeah. for a bit. Right. And just drove fast. What? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Try, trying to catch up to he what you mean. He went hard out. Right. He went hard out. Yeah, okay. For a while. So he's he's back in it now though. Yeah. I mean, I when did I meet him? I met him for one of the Expendables films. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. For the, it, it was the uh, J. VCD JCVD versus Stallone fight scene. Wow! In Expendables two. So what yeah. you were there on set? No, no, no. I interviewed. Oh, I interviewed right. him for the cool. for some uh, some gig I was doing, and uh, yeah, he was a very passionate guy. Yeah, very, right. very passionate guy. And then I interviewed Dolph Lundgren like ten minutes later. Dolph Lundgren is like seven feet tall and a <laughs> physics professor. He's so oh, smart. Yeah. He's extraordinarily smart. He just happened to be really well built. And giant and Aryan. <laughs> and so he's pretty much just cast in that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He's a genius. Dolph Lundgren's an absolute genius. But he plays this, I will break you. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's awesome when you hear that. It's so cool when you have an image of somebody. Right. And then they flip that. Yeah. And bring you something else. I love Were you that. a fan of Universal Soldier when those two got together? Actually, no. I don't think Universal, no, that didn't really make it. No. Not when I was going up. Not a fan. It wasn't. Well, no, I haven't seen it. So it oh. obviously wasn't on the show. It's uh, Van Damme and um, and Lundgren. Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, together playing robots. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Damn, I'll have to watch that one. Nah, don't. <laughs> don't bother. The commies lose. Oh, of Like course. all those movies. Of course. Commies lose in every one of them. It was easier to make action movies then because there was only one bad guy. Mm. Now it's like, and they were they were run by a and state. You didn't have to be politically correct at no, all. No, so, so when the you, bad guys were really bad guys. And when you fought one, <laughs> you fought a whole country. Yeah. Now you know you defeat, defeat one. It's like screw you, Russia. Now it's like you fight one terrorist. Like, well, we don't really know where he came from, and it comes with all kinds of really heavy religious overtones. Yeah. Well, we, what do we do with him? Do we touch that? Yeah. Yeah. I saw Hot Shots the other night. That was on TV. Oh, it's so man, good. that's funny. And it really took, like, it really, you know, made fun of all those movies. Those Zucker Brothers such films. such a good job of it. Like, I love those Zucker Brothers films so, so much. Funny. So much. Top Secret is, I think it's one of my favourite yeah, films of all time. Yeah, it's hilarious. One of yeah. my favourite films of all time. Just how clever the gag, the gags so are. So funny. So, yeah. but when was that? Was that nine, early 84, 85. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. That yeah. was the um, uh, screen debut of um, Val Kilmer. Oh, was it? Val Kilmer's screen debut. Wow. How silly can you get? What's happening to Val oh, Kilmer now, though? Well, just, I think he just likes the pies these days. Yeah, right. Yeah. Sweet. Well, yeah. you've got heaps of money. And yeah. Like, yeah. He, um, he, was in, he was in Sydney a few years ago. I remember uh, I was still drinking back then, but I remember driving by him and going, we love you, Nick Rivers. <laughs> he gave me away. <laughs> 
I don't do that anymore. Yeah. I, don't, I don't yell at people that are driving down the street anymore. No, no, those days, those, those days are gone. Uh, so you're doing your liberal arts degree and you're dreaming in New York City and you think, okay, I'm going to do this. And then there's a, there's a dance injury. Now, was it a, mm. a career-ending dance injury? If you could call what I had a career, I mean, yeah, I was getting the odd job here and there. But, yeah, it was enough to, like, make me think, oh, I probably am not. I couldn't dance the same after it and I wasn't even supposed to be. Yeah. But it made me then focus on, I mean, when I went over there, I started doing acting classes as well while I was dancing and I just started to fall in love with it, obviously. And so the injury just made it more so that I focused on that. What's it like when something you've done your whole life and you think this is what I'm going to do for my career through an injury suddenly like, oh, crikey. Um, It's heartbreaking. Yeah. And it's not even so much about this might not be a career. It's it's like part of you. Like even now I go to dance and I've still got, you know, back injuries and can't do a lot of things. It's just, yeah, it's almost like it's disabling. Like it's it, as well because it's it's something that takes me out of my head. I'm quite heady in a lot of stuff and dance is one thing that's an escape for me. And then when you can't, you don't feel like you can fully throw your body into it anymore, It's it takes away from the experience. Yeah, I think about... Um Certainly with the NFL in the States, you mm. think about guys that have dedicated their entire lives yeah. and then they get to training camp for their rookie year and they blow out their knee and that's it. I know. There's 200 guys behind them in the line and that's it. It's over. They have to think of what else you're going to do. All they've ever done is And they've that. worked so hard to get to that level. Yeah. I know it's something like yeah. that. I even see it now on the field if you see something happen to a mm. player and I don't you know, of any like yeah. footballs or from watching the Wallabies and someone goes down with their hamstring cracks or something like that, I, oh, my heart just sinks because I'm like, oh, that's it, they're out. Like, you know, you just know. When you did get injured, did you, I mean, did you did you grieve once you realised the extent of what was going on? No, because I didn't have such a big career in it. I can't compare myself yeah. to those kind of guys. Like I didn't have such a big career going on, but I it was – yeah. But it surely it had something to do with your identity. Yeah, it did, yeah. And once I was over there as well because it sort of meant I was filling up my days doing that, mm. you know, and I am I was lucky to have gotten a visa from my degree so I could stay there for a year on this visa. And then I was kind of like, well, what am I doing here, you know, if I'm not? That was my goal. Mm. So then the, the acting classes started to – but I had – yeah, I just never really saw acting as I could ever make any money out of it. And I come from quite a practical family where you, you have to, you know, you got to pay your way. So mm. I, I was like, I, I don't think I'm going to make any money out of this acting thing, you know. Yeah. But, but then it, the more, well, the more I did it, the more I realised that it wasn't a priority for me because I loved it. I thought, well, the money's can take it on the back bench. Who was the first person that said, you know what, you might uh, be able to do something with this? I think the first person who I can actually, who really thought that, whose opinion I took seriously enough to say, oh, okay, maybe I can, was an acting teacher over there called Sandra Lee um, because of the calibre of people she'd worked with. When she said it, I was like, oh, maybe I, maybe I do have a chance. Uh-huh. And then a casting director saw me over there and she also <coughs> said the same thing. So, yeah. But I'm, st- I mean, yeah, at that stage I was still learning and I'm still learning now. So, Mate, I'm still learning. Still, yeah, it's <laughs> like so, I've, been doing, I've been doing radio yeah. for 21 years and I'm doing radio this morning. I'm still learning. You still fit, yeah. Well, I think it's, I don't want to ever want to not learn. Absolutely. I want to be the same. Yeah. I know. I want to, you know, just 
keep sharpening the blade. I just want to, mm. that's, that's, you know, that's what I want to do. I, I, I'm always kind of fascinated with the idea that, you know, people see, for example, as we mentioned, a sports uh, person and go, oh, that's, that's their thing. That's mm. their talent. And yes, they train, but they train only to maintain what they've got. Um, we never really think that they learned how to do that at one point. All right. They just kind of have always been able to do it. That's true. And in many ways, a lot of people might have the misconception that our actors just know how to do that. They just know how to do this thing. Then yeah. they might not realize that it actually takes a, it's a lot of technique to it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. There's a lot of, I mean, I've just, you know, done what, two and a half years or something on, the, on Home and Away. And I'm still like some scenes I just feel, oh, my gosh, that was terrible. Like how I didn't find that in that scene. I didn't get that moment. I didn't. Yeah. I'm constantly, constantly feeling like I've got so much. I mean, do you listen to This American Life or yeah. anything? But, you know, Ira Glass has that thing he talks about with the gap between where you are and where you want to be. Yeah. And it's like listening to him say that, I'm like, oh, that's that's quite true because you, if you know what talent is and you know where you want to be, you're always going to be trying to push. Yeah. That and there's always going to be that gap, and you hope one day it closes up a bit. But I don't think you're ever going to actually reach it. I don't know I what mean, I'd do with myself. Yeah, if, I if you did. It. Yeah, that's true. I don't know what I'd. I think the key that I found in the last few years is being okay with that gap. Yes. Yeah, and that's an age thing, don't you think? Yeah, it is. Like I hate to age us. No, no. But I feel what like are you kidding? I'm 41, dude. I'm no, way older than you. No, but I feel like it's an. You get that as you get older. Yeah. It's like being yeah. okay with the fact that. You know that you may have wanted a hundred out of a hundred. Yeah, ninety two is pretty awesome. Yeah, most people yeah. get seventy. Yes. So yeah, I'm pretty. Look at this. Oh. This is great. And as long as you can get by, which I've found I've been able to up until now. Oh, I don't know what's in the future, but to be able to just go to work and not go. Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to be here today. Or I don't want to. I never have that. Yeah. So I'm so blessed for that. So. I just want to keep working as long as I can on this path. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if I can get that. What was your, uh, like you mentioned, you went to visit New York City in the, in uni and going, okay, that's it. Yeah. It's, I've got to come back here. Um, it's a daunting place yes. to, to, to visit. It's a terrifying place to live because yeah. everything is so expensive and money, <laughs> you fall out the front door and you come back and go, I just spent $300 and all I did was go out for two drinks and a meal. <laughs> What just happened? <laughs> yeah. Look, it's – and I also went over there with hardly any money, quite naive. Um, when I went by myself, so my mum's friend had just moved back, so I was literally in the city. I didn't know a soul. And I stayed at – it's a Volunteers of America set up up near Harlem. And it was just for girls. And because I had like a few grand and I needed to make that last, so I took the cheapest option that I knew would be safe. Um, and then I got a job at a bar, but the bar work over there is like cash in hand, you know, and I, I was obviously, I had a visa, but yeah, they, they paid me cash and cause it's tips really yeah, yeah. that you're working on. So the harder you work, you can actually earn. And I got into a fantastic bar, which I realized at the time I was just lucky to get a great one that, so money was okay in the sense that I was hanging out with actors. I was hanging out with people who didn't have a lot of money. I was hanging out with a lot of people who didn't come from what I came from and I didn't come from a very wealthy background but they didn't have that. These are kids that came from, you know, broken homes and very like from all over America yeah. who had come to New York to be an actor and really didn't have any money. So I always felt like I was doing okay. 
Right. I always felt like, you know, because I had a job and I was earning enough to keep going, pay my rent. And yeah. And I eventually, after like six months, I got out of there and got my own place. But wow. Yeah. That must have been. Because I, I, I wonder, I wanted to ask you about this because I've, I've been in New York a bunch of times and I've spent a fair bit of time there. But as much as I wanted to, I always found myself trying to re- recreate a New York experience that I'd seen. All right. Yeah. So either a photo of John Lennon doing something or someone running around the park or doing yeah. this cool walking down this street with the steam coming out of the thing. Like, I'd, it, And I, th- I felt validated. I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm doing this thing down the Bowery. Yeah. But I never really – I'm just realizing this when you came over today. I was like, I don't think I ever really created my own experience. Every day that I was there was – wanting to relive this, these some, moments you've these seen. fantasy things yeah. that i'd seen depicted in films mm. like did you find that all we like i'm gonna i should do this today and not realizing in the back of your mind is like i'm actually just doing the sex in the city episode where they went to get the cupcakes like <laughs> yeah oh i mean i absolutely did that stuff and yeah. especially with some of the girlfriends i had over there like we would go out for cocktails or whatever and we'd but it also plays into how much money you've got exactly what you were saying before yeah. It's one of those cities you can live those moments if you have the money for it kind of thing. And yeah. apart from that, you quickly get over that though when you're there. I mean, I was there for nearly four years. Wow. So you quickly get over that because you've got a kind of, it's the day-to-day slog. Sure and even though it's this. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hugely populated place. It's the most lonely city in the world to me because even though you're surrounded by all these people it's like everyone is there for their own to get ahead on their own journey you know and it's like and everyone's pushing really hard for the top and so there is this feeling of disconnectness like you're living in the city on your own yeah um it is when yeah. you're in that and it, it really is the top of the mountain certainly if you're down in the lower parts of manhattan where mm. the financial district is mm. the people the kind of personalities that it takes to work in that industry. Yeah. Um, and I've got close friends who work in that industry. So I, I, I couldn't do it. But to be around people who are, it's almost wolf-like there. You I know. know. Their, their behaviour and their, I don't want to say aggression, but, yeah, you're right. When it's uh, a, just even in the street, people's own self-interest is what will always take priority. Yeah. Like walking across the street where the light is red but for pedestrians and then turning exactly. into the turning four lanes of traffic and go, I'm walking here. Exactly. You know, and four lanes of traffic are like, we got a green light, but you're just walking because you're more important than us. 
Absolutely. That's so what it's – and it's it's a ruthless city. Oh, my gosh. And people will climb. I used to go to auditions like girls will do whatever they can to get ahead like and absolutely cut you down. But in saying that, I made some ab- like lifelong and friends and I now consider family because mm. they were my family when I was there. And people – you do meet the couple people who look after you mm. and you look after them. It's funny because once you find that those people that you really connect with, you don't let them go because you know it's so rare. Yeah. To find that. Yeah. Over there. Yeah. But yeah, my my ex. Speaking of those girls that will do anything for a gig, my uh, ex-wife had this great saying: um, just re- we would be walking down the street, or we'd be out in some restaurant, and she'd see you know some girl with stars in Los Angeles, some girl with stars in her eyes sitting down with a guy that we knew was a producer, and we knew it was like, yeah. oh no no no. And she would just go, oh, I hope she knows you can only ever sleep your way to the middle. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, exactly. I, I I used to hear of that all the time as well. The, the owners of the bar I worked at were four guys that used to be bartenders at Studio 54 and Crikey. they went into their own hilarious dudes. Like, yeah. And they were wonderful. Like they really had families and stuff like that and they were very supportive. But they used to say like, they used to always say to me, if anyone ever does anything, Cass, like one of them was in the NYPD as well. He'd be like, you know, you you don't put up with anything. Like they would run, drill me with it. And I knew that anyway because I come from quite a quite an open, supportive family that would – and I knew common sense-wise. But they were always like if anybody ever does anything because I feel like you sort of need people to rely on over there as well to pull your head into line because there's so much – I was lucky I was never faced with that situation of yeah. what is it, couch casting. It's a hell. I was never faced with it, but it must be so. And you can see how it happens. But you're too powerful a personality. They would never. People like that would never prey upon you. Well, yeah. Clearly, I mean, I've known you for 31 minutes, and I can tell that you already have enough self worth that you wouldn't find yourself preyed upon by a predatory. um, Oh, that's good. Person, you know what? You know what? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, Whereas, and you and I have both seen this, and it's a profession that attracts people who have. I mean, that's that's attracts people who have um, the validation issues. Yeah, uh, and they find that is a great place to start from. They can be great actors, why by incredible actors. Absolutely, how many are coming out now as well, saying the experiences they had? Yes, exactly. But then you get that predatory kind of producer type. It's like you want to be your star. Speaking of this microphone, like. I know it's so bad. I shouldn't laugh. No, but it's 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 bloody bloody awful. But so the thing is, like, but just to loop back a little to talking about studying acting, what is it about the quality of of education there that made you want to study acting in New York? Um, I think it was the environment. Well, I mean, I tried for like NIDA and stuff like that when I was here, and I didn't get in. So, and then I didn't really know where to go because over there, there are so many institutions that have classes that they offer you. There's so much over there. Um, even off, off Broadway, little theatre companies you can get a part of and all of that. And here, um, it was also probably the social circle I was in, but I just didn't really, I wasn't exposed to it and I didn't know where to find them. Mm. So over there, it was a lot easier. You could get recommendations from a lot of people. Um, and and really over there, I went to like Atlantic, I went to Stella Adler, I went to a few different schools and they had a certain technique that they taught by. And then I found this teacher, Sandra Lee, who was across them all and just about you finding your own technique and how you work. And that spoke to me. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed the plays she did. So she did a lot of stuff that um, 
you know, a lot of playwrights that I loved, like Arthur Miller and Eugene O'Neill and stuff like that, that I, I started to fall in love with, like reading that kind of stuff. So I wanted to do all those scenes and that was my chance to do them in those classes. So that's what kept me going back as well. Um, uh, and I guess you got a chance to work on your accent over there as well. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> but apparently, actually, I went for an US audition the other day and he's like, <laughs> I have quite a New York Uh-huh sounding accents quite yeah. specific so i've got to work on broadening that i uh, when i ever did gigs in american accent they always thought i was from iowa iowa yeah, yeah that's that's we've got that kind of yeah. what is that midwest or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah 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 farm country corn country yeah. uh so that's 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 where like are you from iowa because I, I would sometimes even you hear people doing it all the time uh i would sometimes do gigs uh, auditions where i wouldn't even speak in an australian accent i would right. walk into the room with an american accent see some people do that so did you find that that was better for you? Uh, I was told to. Right. I was told to because they wanted um, – this is hosting gigs. Mm. Yeah. Um, doing an entire hosting gigs in an American that accent. That would be difficult because I could – you know, it's like you, you like you've done, you've danced your yeah. whole life. All I've done is do it. That's all I've ever done. Yeah. I was actually right. talking about this, this uh, just then. I just had lunch with a friend because uh, I'm doing breakfast radio at the moment. Yes. Yeah. And I said to him, I said to him, like, I feel like I'm not really working that hard. I feel like I'm not putting <laughs> that much effort into it. And he's like, Yeah, but you've worked for 20 years at getting to a point where you can rock in yeah. and apply. It's part of your nature now. Yeah, a little bit. I was like, okay, that is a, that is a point. I should feel so guilty <laughs> about it. You know, because I, in my mind, I'm like, I should be doing an hour of prep for every hour that I'm here. Uh, I should yeah. be writing more. I should be da 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 um, Don't get me wrong. I still prep. But I think that mindset comes from somebody who has worked really hard. Yeah. Because otherwise you wouldn't even be thinking that in the first place. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know the prep you've done before. Yeah. So it's uh, New York's an extraordinary, extraordinary city, but it's also – like one of the hubs of the world. Mm. Um, did you get a chance to kind of use it as a base to explore other parts of the planet? No, I didn't. No, you know what? I was so, I look back on it sometimes and I'm like, man, I should have done more traveling and all of that. But no, to me, I was there for a mission. I was there to get a job and I was there to, and I didn't really, my mom came over a couple of times when we went down to the Caribbean, which was great. So that was like, but I didn't really, I, I have friends from Montana who I met when I was backpacking through South America when I was a bit younger than that. And um, I stayed with them in Montana. So I loved that part of like Yellowstone National Park. Man, that's like, oh, I have to get back there. That's such a special place. But apart from that, I haven't even seen a lot of America. Right. I'm ashamed to say. like. But you've seen a part of, and I, I would always I'll say this a lot in that America in their cultural exporting through their sitcoms or their procedurals or their films yes. don't really show off the natural grandeur of their country. I know. It I is know. an extraordinarily beautiful country. It's unbelievable. It's like and when the you, vastness like, of it. Montana like, is oh, freaking amazing. That, amazing. What do they call it? Like big sky it's big country? big sky country. Yeah. yeah. It's big sky and country. And that's what it is. It but makes, like unless, I don't know, like Brokeback Mountain or – Maybe that that was pre- oh, no country for old men is actually pretty. It's pretty good. That shows, yeah. That's more down. More Texas. Yeah, yeah Texas. That. Yeah, I'd love to go to Texas. I'd love to go through. It's interesting. Is it it's humid, dude? It's hot. Really it's humid, like so humid. I was in Houston. It was so freaking hot. Oh, I'd love to go to Houston. Yeah, it's so hot. It's nuts and moist. <laughs> like like really like you're standing like in a shower, sweat. like Queensland. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, with the Gulf of Mexico right there. So it's yeah, all, of course. Yeah, it's all 
yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. So, so you're in the states, and you got some work over there. You got some work yeah. on the telly. You did some plays. Um, at what point did you know? Did you have a definition of success that was okay? I, if I get to this point, I'm going to stay here, or mm. uh, was it a visa thing that made you? I'm only asking because you know of my recent experience of like eh, I'm going to come back. Yeah. Um, what yeah, was it for me? Um, so I finished the cable series I did I did one season on a cable tv show and that got cancelled and then I had like a year left on my visa after that or oh no not quite a year maybe like nine months or something and um I was auditioning and I mean I had some health issues at the time I had to come back for a month and have an operation and stuff so that sort of threw me off a bit yeah but I really thought after that cable show I really thought that was it. Like I was just going to get work after work after work from that and it's just not how it panned out. It, yeah. it, you know, I was back to auditioning and I was not and I had lost, I was losing confidence gradually because I had this idea in my head that it was only going to get go up from there yeah. and it's just not the reality of the business we're in. Like it's, you know, an actor's life is their lifestyle. Like you, you're in work sometimes, you're not other times and I've come to accept that now, but at the time I really thought. So anyway, so I went. Hang on, had you had you already spent the paychecks you hadn't earned? Uh, <laughs> let's say I went through that money <laughs> in about three months, <laughs> and it was a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, because it was the first time I'd had good money after yeah. being there for you know yeah. three years or whatever. It was yeah. the first time I'd had a lot of ramen. Oh man, <laughs> I went to all those restaurants. I wanted like. Yeah, right. I was like, you know, what was it, the Mandarin Oriental and stuff. I used to hang around Columbus Circle a lot. I did like everything I wanted to do. I shopped at Saks. I, what, everything I dreamed, that was the lifestyle. And it, it, I'd stop. So I stopped working at the bar. So I was over there for like nine months not working because, I, you know, I had that money from the show. And I started to go insane. I started to just go into my mind and, and, and I was – not doing well in auditions. I was not doing well acting because I wasn't being useful in any way. I was just thinking about myself all day. I was walking around thinking about getting the next job and what I had to do and and it just made, it swallowed me up into my own ego and I think it um, made me quite depressed as well. So I got to a pretty dark place um, and I had a boyfriend who was Australian at the time um, and, yeah, we just decided that it was probably best that I came home because I just started to get, yeah, I mean, when you wake up in the morning and you're like, don't want to get out of bed, you yeah. you got to mix something up. And New York you is a change. hell of a place to go down the rabbit hole. Yeah. And you go down fast and you, yeah. it's hard to pull yourself out. Yeah. I tried to pull myself out, but I couldn't. So to, that's why I came home. Yeah, but to, to, to even vocalise that, there's many people who wouldn't. Yeah, well, I thought about it then. I was like, oh, do I actually tell him or do I just say my visa ran up and I came home? But I'm like, oh. Well, look, the same thing happened to me. I did a, I was the first Australian to host live national prime time in yeah. the States. I was on CBS. I'm like, unbelievable. Here it is. I was shooting, we were shooting in the next studio to American Idol. Like, I, I parked my car next to Nigel Lithgow. It was like me and Seacrest in the same building every night. Yeah. I'm like, here it is. This is what I came here to do. Yep. Bump it up, And then my phone just didn't ring. I know. I know. Ever. And like, Hey, don't you remember me? I'm the guy from the thing with the thing. Uh, yeah. Could you get in line behind the guy from Canada who's the thing from the thing and the one from France and the UK? And those, Absolutely. Those two guys who are wrestlers are probably going to get this before you. Yeah. And yeah. I know. because it, it broke my heart. 
Yeah. It broke my heart because I thought this is it. Yeah. This and you it. think I've worked for this, I deserve this and now it's happened and it's just going to be a dream run from here. Yeah. It was tough, man. It I was know. It was tough. But like, again, but no one could take that away from me. I did it. Mm. Um, and I had that experience and it was extraordinary. Mm. But yeah, I had, uh, I was renovating a house at the time. So the money I made from that, I think I had it for about six hours. Yeah. Uh, hit my bank, it hit one bank account and I went off into another, like within the same day. And my <laughs> Didn't bank. Didn't even get to like hold it in your nope, hand. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Went away very, yeah. very fast. Very, very fast. I know. It's such a funny business because I was listening to something the other day and it actually brought a tear to my eye because I'm like, oh, God, that's how Dustin Hoffman was talking about, you know, when he was in his 40s and he'd done a heap of films and and um, they just wrapped on a film and he went to a bar with their other actor who I can't remember the name, somebody famous, and they both sat at the bar after they'd wrapped and, um, and, he, and the other actor said to him, do you ever get scared that we're never going to work again? And Dustin's like, after every film, I get terrified that I'm never going to work again. <laughs> and he, they were dead set serious. He's like, this is how you feel. And he's like, even after the movies I'd done, the career I'd had, he still gets that feeling. God damn insecurity. I know. Why do we have it? Well, it's because as well there's no formula to our business. There's no... You do this, 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 you'll get promoted to this level, you get promoted to this level. If you work really hard, you'll do really well. It's just not the way it is. Yeah. Some of the best actors I know over there in New York, I don't know if they'll ever leave, you know, the off-off-Broadway plays. Yeah. I hope they will, but they're… But there's enough stories of, you know, John Hamm who said, look, if I don't get something yes. full-time, I'm out. And, you know, I think it was like he gave it to himself to his, I think, like his 35th or his 40th birthday. And he's mm. like, that's it. I'm going to pull the pin. And he got Mad Men like that week. Unbelievable. You know, or Rodney Dangerfield who didn't break until he was 54 or 56. Yeah. All right. And yeah. he just slept. For, you know. I know. It's, I tell you what, that is a hard slog to yeah. go that. Like that's, t- you've got to have some unshakable self-belief to stick it out that long. Yeah. Because really it's it's from other people's beliefs that I've lasted as well. Do you yeah. ever feel like that? Like yeah, from yeah. other people who believed in you as well when you didn't? So what was it like when you when you landed back? Oh, I felt like I'd failed 100%. Yeah. Like, you, yeah, you do. You definitely feel like you failed. Like even sometimes I think about it, although I think I gained so much life experience and these things I had, you know, what I did over there was pretty incredible. But I, it's yeah, like training I for the Olympics. Like, like the way I look at it is like I, I trained for the Olympics, I went to the Olympics, yeah. and I, I, I got fourth. Yeah, totally. I walked in the opening ceremony, yeah. I walked in the closing <laughs> ceremony, shagged the water polo player, whatever, <laughs> and then yeah. just didn't even podium. I know. And you went all the way there. I know. It's kind of like getting into the Wallabies or something and just sitting on the bench yeah. for every game. Like you never quite get So to- how did you – because, you know, not everyone's going to go to New York and study acting, but – there's a lot of people listening that would have come within a hair's breadth or even got a taste of the thing they thought they wanted. Mm. How did you bounce back from that? How did you get back? Yeah, well, um, it was it sort of got to a head point because it also put a lot of strain on my relationship um, because of my mental state, really, I think. There were a lot of things, but that was a big thing. And we ended up breaking up and then and then my manager from over there dropped me. So I was sort of oh, like... I know what that's like. Yeah, we're not going to go ahead. Good luck. Yeah, good luck. Uh, you're back in Australia, so it's not really. And it's like, oh, oh man. man. It's the worst. But then like a month later I got home and away. 
So, and I really was like, should I kick in the towel then? And I wasn't even old. I just <laughs> felt old. You know, like I'm talking like, you know, mid-20s. Like it's not even that old. But you feel. How did the home and away thing come up and how did you transcend the, because I look, I know after the um, CBS thing went away, mm. I was going through a lot of relationship difficulties as well and I'd gone from getting a lot of yes in the room when yes, I went in yeah. to getting a lot of no's in the room and all that was was the stink of desperation. Absolutely. It, I was no less good at my job. In fact, I was better than I'd ever been but I stank of, of mm. fear and I stank mm. of everything is riding on this. Absolutely. They can smell it from a mile away. As soon as you walk in, I need this job. Yeah. (laughs) Is that that chorus line, I really need this job, you know, when they're like, that's it. That's what I was walking into every audition with. Yeah. So how did you get out of that for the home and away thing? Um, Do you know what? Everything had just fallen away from me (laughs) in terms of like um, my relationship and my my manager over there. And so I think I was just kind of like, Walked into that audition thinking, oh, well, who cares? Detached from the result. I just didn't really care. Yeah. Detached from the result. Absolutely. And I I just had fun with it. I enjoyed it. And then I just thought, oh, well, it doesn't matter if I get it or not. Like, you know. And I decided, I'd already decided in my mind at that point that this was going to be my, it's going to be a lifelong career for me. So I was like, I could throw in the towel or, and it was like just before that audition that I was kind of like, no, I think I'm going to stick this out. It doesn't matter if I get this or not. Something else will come up at some other stage. And I think I just didn't care if it was that job or not, you know. And how's work been since you made, even though you got the gig and you got a nice yeah. contract, how's work been, the process of work been since you've taken on this new mindset? Yeah, it took like a good, like I had no confidence the first year and a half or whatever because you quickly lose your confidence in, I don't know whether it's all artists do that or, I don't know, but I quickly lost it. And then when you don't have confidence in what you're doing, it reads so clearly on camera. So I think that took me a while. Oh, any to workplace. If you've yeah, been you're fired, if you've been right. dropped from one job because you weren't performing and you get a job in a similar industry, you're walking on eggshells. Mm. So it took a while, but um, but I yeah, that home and away were just amazing too. They're so supportive. Mm. You know, the directors, the other cast members, they were just so supportive. Like I did some really terrible work (laughs) like really terrible stuff but then I've come from I've done some good stuff you know like it's just um but yeah a lot of it was building the confidence back in myself but what better place to do it I mean you you guys shoot it's been a blessing you guys shoot a feature film worth of content every week Mm. that is how many minutes of production yeah I've never thought of it like that it's Full on how much you guys do every yeah. week, the volume of what you do. It's, there's no better place, really. No, it's an absolute gift to get that job. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, let's face it, even, I don't know, let's have, let's think about, um, I don't know, uh, what's someone that we can think of? Uh, Steve Carell in Anchorman. I love Lamp. Yeah. All right, he's probably on screen for about four minutes when he's got, like in total. Yeah. All right. right. And it was probably, you know, he's in a few group shots, but his close-ups, his actual individual lines, he's acting for eight seconds at a time mm. and that's it. He yeah. crushes it. What an amazing job he, he does with ab- that. Absolutely crushes yeah. it. But it's not like when you're working on a show like yours where you're just doing 
eight hours a day, every day, every day, every day, learning this disappears out of your brain because I've got to learn something else. Mm. You know, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. In and out, in and out, in and out, in and out, and just just on the treadmill, just yeah. going, 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 just getting better and better and better and better. And, better. and they've got coaches and stuff on set, which is fantastic yeah. as well because they take you through all the material. They, yeah, it's just such a great, great learning. Yeah. I actually know uh, two people that work on the show, um, Charlie Clawson, who we mentioned yeah. before you, uh, we started rolling, but also my friend Jet Wilkinson's uh, oh, directed. Jet's wonderful. Yeah, she's an yeah. ex- extremely wonderful human being. And she's just starting in the States now. She's she's heading over. She's doing like Madam Secretary and shit like that. She's doing Nashville, which is one of my guilty yeah. pleasures. <laughs> yeah. she, was my, she was my producer on Channel V and now she's directing wow. episodes in Nashville. But she talks, she talks exactly about that environment, about that family environment and that you all support each other and that oh. through the volume of the work that you all just lift. And actually through that starting point when I was still trying to get, you know, that year and a half or whatever, when I was still trying to gain back my confidence, yeah. it was really Charlie was such a huge um, contributor to that because he was just so supportive all the time and a lot of my scenes were with him. Mm. And he was just, yeah, he was just fantastic always after everything. I was like, oh, that was really good, Cass. You know, you did really well. Like so positive. And He's so, the loveliest man. I'm like, really? That was shit. And he's like, no, no, it was great. You really... He's the loveliest man and now extraordinarily buff as well as being the loveliest man. <laughs> yeah, I know that he's been on such an extreme diet and exercise regime and he's just, his whole body is transformed. Eight it's amazing. Weeks. Yeah. yeah, eight weeks. And he's, I haven't seen him since he started it. No, oh. I, no I saw him in the first week. I saw him in the first week. Right. We talked on the phone, but I only saw him in the first week. And now I saw him the photos he put on Instagram the other day. It's like, holy shit, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's done really well. He's really transformed. Speaking speaking of Instagram, we were just talking about this this morning. Um, At the radio show we had um, James Dagan. He's a trainer, like Elle McPherson's trainer, trains Victoria's Secret, people like that. Like it's full on. Mm. And he was talking about how horrible Instagram is for women's body image and misinformation about diet and um, uh, creating, like we've talked a lot about magazines' role in creating a false sense of uh, body image for, mm. for women, but Instagram and the, the, what photos drive the likes. Absolutely. What, as as a, a woman, a beautiful woman who's on camera and is aware of her, you know, outward image, what what does going through Instagram do for you like say if you, you know. <laughs> it's not good yeah for my self-confidence why no. do you do it i have no idea and i've talked to my friends about this who are not in the industry but it just you know they've all got different jobs and they feel the same way after scrolling through it and looking at all you know i, I follow victoria's secrets but i mean it's half of it's my fault the people i follow <laughs> you know i follow these huge like models and stuff like that and I also think in the comments that some of the young girls write on my Instagram and the girls on our show, you know, about our bodies and stuff like that, I just think, oh, God, like I don't want to be putting out that thing that makes me feel insecure, you know, because we're only, let's face it, I am only putting up the best shot that I could possibly find of myself. And I have scoured the internet to find the best shot from that red carpet. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm not going to put up something that's like, oh, my friend just took this and I just casually happened to be looking back at that moment and caught the light. It's like, no, I went through hair and makeup and had my outfit picked out for me and everything. And then even then I had, there were 10 photos of the night and I found one that was, 
decent enough to put up. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I feel like I don't have, you know, I don't know, like there's all that retouching stuff as yeah. well that they talk about. Yeah. I I don't I don't have to because I'm an actor I don't really have to maybe if I was a model I would have to worry about that kind of stuff but I don't have to do that but I wonder about people that like how much of the stuff we actually see of these huge um, celebrities and these beautiful bodies how much of that is retouched I mm. don't know that they do themselves on their own apps or whatever you know this is this is what uh, this uh, guy was saying today James he was saying. Uh, when he works with clients, he says, okay, you're going to change, Not you don't go on diets, you just change the way you live. And part yeah. of that change is you stop following all of those people on Instagram because- That's terrific. Yeah, it's, it's so true. Because you just, he said one of his clients, he said, I, I won't mention her name obviously, but she mm. said, he said, she's a very famous, very beautiful actress who's known for being very famous and very beautiful. And uh, he- Called a client to called her to try and organize a training session, and she says, "I've just been looking at Instagram for half an hour. I I, I can't get into active wear today. I can't do it. I feel disgusting." Mm. And he's like, "Absolutely, he's you do. like, don't look at that shit." But it's so hard not to because you're like, yeah, just when you scroll, it's such a reflex thing now. You know, you scroll through, and but I completely agree. I've actually I went through a stage where because I, I used to talk to the girls on the show as well about this, and they felt the same way, like ones with flawless bodies you know and they felt the same way we would compare you just compare yourself and it's awful expectations and comparisons because that's what our human brain does that's what our brain does we make sense of the world by comparing it to our own experience that's how we make sense yeah right yeah and i know i sure get it like i find myself looking at and certainly i've noticed that i've been lived here by the beach for a while before i went overseas and i'm back by the beach and i'm in a part of sydney where people take a lot of care of their bodies Mm. and i've always always so body conscious i've always been overweight my whole life i've always you know carried a few extra kilos and i i torture myself looking at dudes with their shirts off i torture myself but you are living in a really bad spot for that i know (laughs) Because there's a lot of dudes with their shirts I on, know. on that outdoor jungle equipment or whatever. It's yeah, called. like when I go when I when I do bachelor and all the boys whip their rip their lids off, I'm like, <laughs> Jesus, what am I doing? You know? No, but know. it's it's ridiculous because it's in your own it's in your own head. And I even get nervous when I say like if I meet a guy or something and they'll be like, Oh, what's your Instagram? I almost don't wanna tell because I don't want them to see and think that that's because also the image we put up on Instagram is not always actually who you are. It's a performance like it's anything a, else. You're just putting up exactly. I mean, a lot of girls I follow, they're in like Bali or somewhere else and they're coozering around. I'm like, how do these people do this lifestyle? Like what do they do? It's the like, greatest hits reel, man. How do they? I know. I know. And and I'm like, but actually, and then I look at my own, I'm like, actually, this is also, I, even though I try to make it a personal, you know, I try to, it is for my work, but I do try to put personal things into it. Yeah. But it still looks like I have a way better life than I do, <laughs> you know, like, and it's not even, doesn't even look that great. But yeah, it's, 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 just, it's just the image we put up to the world. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I spoke with Walid Ali last week and he talked a lot about Twitter being a problem as well and that. Right. I would yeah. have thought Twitter was better though because Twitter's at least takes wit. I feel like yeah. Instagram, I just put up a picture. I don't really have to. But Twitter as well is very much uh, how can I get the most extreme reaction within 140 characters? How ex- how uh, how pointed, how heightened can I make this comment to make right. you either retweet, reply, favourite, 
or mm. say, fuck you, you know, and right. that's, it's an extreme form of communication that by its own nature cannot ever address the nuances of any argument, ever, mm. ever, you know. I don't like people of this skin colour. They should all leave, exclamation yeah. point. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. that's not really the long and short of it, is it? But no. it, look, it fits nicely in a. Abs- uh, yeah, and if they're, all they're looking for is reaction as yeah. well. It's like the perfect medium because it's so yeah. condensed. So actually just talking to this bloke about Instagram today and then talking to Waylead about Twitter last week, I'm seriously reconsidering a lot of stuff I do online. Yeah. I really, I really am, just for my own health. But people say, and I agree with that, and I think I try to limit it. I think I started to say it before where I went through a phase where I was trying to say, okay, only when I post stuff am I going to go on Instagram mm. and actually look at it because otherwise I'll feel crappy about myself. Yeah. But then, you, you know, you want to look at what your friends put up every now and then and there's a lot of good that it does as well. It's just us insecure, you know, it just brings out our insecurities. As long as you remember when you're looking at someone you know, in a bikini, just, oh, I'm just mm. in the Cayman Islands, just, you know. Oh, my God. Drinking a fruit punch. I know. This, you know is, this is my life. It's like, who's taking that photo? Yeah. And who, I often yeah. wonder that. Like, where do they get, do they ask hotel guests? <laughs> <laughs> they probably travel with a photographer, to be honest. Yeah, I know. They travel with a photographer. I do know, well, those two girls, the Bikini A Day girls, they shoot each other. Oh, right. Yeah, they shoot each other. Oh, do they? Yeah, well, they that's a good them. little idea because. Mate, they're making yeah. bank. Exactly, girls. and that's the thing, isn't it? It's, and there's, you know, it's just it's mm. double, double tap for likes and then just mm. there's money in it, so there's more ass or there's more tits or there's more, mm. you know, speaking of chorus line. <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> no. I'm, a, I'm a straight man, but I do know my musicals. Um, you know, yeah. it's, 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 it's a false sense of, of the world. But mm. all of this recently comes to my life because I look at the kid in my life and I, know. I look at her. Does that worry I, you? It freaks me the fuck out. I swear I used to say this to my ex-boyfriend. I used to be like, when we have if we have kids, like, can we just go live on a deserted island somewhere and raise them there yeah. so they're not exposed to any of it? Yeah. But then you've got to be exposed to it because yeah. I've got to know how to handle you can't, it. Like, you can't I can't keep her locked in a box. I know. You know I wish we could. I wish that was a no, way. No, it's illegal. <laughs> Legal society's frowned upon imprisonment of children for a while now. No, I just there was a time there when it was fine, but these days, I just I I just feel like I want to take them outside of that. There's so much bullying as well, like all that. So, oh, can't even open that can of worms. Yeah, yeah. But that happens a lot, even on the people with home and away fans. Like I see it on my Instagram where they bully each other, and it's so upsetting. Oh, crikey. Yeah, but I think it's just a thing now. Like it's so many kids. It's it's translated from the playground to. The cyber world. Yeah, but we're all one, man. We're all one. I we're know. all in this rock flying through space. I know. It's like that the monkeys flying through. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. we're just a bunch of hairless monkeys. I know. <laughs> Make, naked apes who figured out how to grow our own food. That's all we did. Yeah. <laughs> every other species on earth had to go, oh, I don't know how to, I'll just, uh, uh, leaf cutter ants, except for leaf cutter oh, ants. Yeah? We're the only species. You've really thought about this. You know, I have. Uh, we're the only species that figured out how to grow our own food and therefore, you know, we, that's what we did. Um, yeah. So, final question um, before we go. We're here by the ocean. What does the ocean mean to you? Mm. To me, it reminds me of family. Yeah. And home. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I love going. I mean, I swim a lot in the ocean and I attempt to surf. So, I have, yeah, I definitely feel connected. Even if I was to go back to the States, I would need to be near the ocean this time. I don't think I could do the city again. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, if you go back and you go to Venice, just make sure you don't swim after it rains. <laughs> Bad <laughs> times. Bad times. I can imagine. But that's okay because yeah. it never rains. <laughs> it never rains over there. The rain can't get through that level of smog or oh, whatever. Oh, God. Is. <laughs> when it does come down, your car's brown. You're like, my God, I'm breathing that. <laughs> Jesus. Um. Hey, thanks for coming around. No, thank you thanks for having heaps. me. This has been ace. Yeah, thanks for the chat. Hey, no worries. It'll be great. (laughs) I'm going to take your photo, okay? Okay. Okay, sweet. Thanks. That was Cassie Howarth. You can find her on Instagram at Cassie, C-A-S-S-I-E underscore Howarth, H-O-W-A-R-T-H underscore. That's where she is. She's on Instagram. She's delightful. And you can watch her on Home and Away, which is on all the time, everywhere, on Catch Up, on everything, all around the world. You'll find it. If you look for Home and Away, you'll find it. You don't have to look very hard to be honest. But yeah, she's on there. Hey, uh, so that's it. I've got to go. It's now five to eight, which means it's 25 minutes past my bedtime. (laughs) It's crikey. What am I doing? And that sounds like my girlfriend just got home. So it's time for me to go and have some dinner. I love you. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week. Um, If you do uh, live in any of the cities I mentioned before, Brisbane, Melbourne, Adelaide, Canberra, Perth. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, uh, do have a listen in the morning. Uh, I'd love to know what you think of the show. I'm really enjoying it. Heather's magnificent to work with. She's an d- absolute delight. Um, but yeah, I'd love to know what you think of the show and seeing if you think I'm managing to bring a little bit of what I do here to there. I hope I am, but I'd love to know your thoughts. Hey, um, thanks heaps. Uh, until we talk next week, uh, sleep well and dream of beautiful things. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.